So good to have you back for the fourth and the final week of our sermon series called Kingdom Come. Say it with me. Kingdom Come. If you are visiting with us this morning or you are a homecoming guest, we want to say welcome to you. You are so, we are so grateful you're here. Speaking of weeks, I know that there is a, a, a great deal of homecoming guests with us, so let me catch everybody up on the last uh, nine, uh, ten months of my life. Uh, about nine months ago, uh, as the age of 34, I was diagnosed with uh, brain cancer, uh, stage four uh, glioblastoma. Uh, surgery was in January, uh, followed by radiation and chemotherapy and the helmet they, they call the Optune device. If you see me out, by, uh, out in the week, by the way, you get the full uh, um, um, uh, what, uh, what the Optune device really is. Uh, has, has some people ask me, why didn't you wear it on Sundays? The answer is, I really don't want to scare away the children. <laughs> it's, kind of it's kind of frightening. About two months ago, I went in for another emergency surgery, uh, this time for an internal cyst that had grown, been growing to twice the size of their original tumor and um, uh, causing seizures. It literally is a miracle uh, that I am standing before you right now. <laughs> Um, last Monday, I had an MRI, what was supposed to track the cancer's growth, but it didn't do that because the cancer is gone. <laughs> Praise God. because of God's goodness to me in response to your faithful prayers and intercession. I, am, uh, I, I, Cindy mentioned this before, I am uh, going through the last chemotherapy treatment, and so your prayers are deeply appreciated. Uh, I am eternally uh, grateful to be here and to share the word with you this morning. Before we get into this week's sermon, uh, let me tell you about next month. Next month, um, we are going to be looking at the character of Joseph, his purpose, his purity, and his pardon. We'd like to keep peace so much, we just caught, we keep going. <laughs> we don't want to miss any Sundays in November. And if you're here for homecoming and can't be alive, you can just catch the podcast. <laughs> Well, as we are saying, uh, this is a fourth week of our sermon series called Kingdom Come. And what we are doing in this uh, uh, series is looking at four aspects of the kingdom. 
four aspects that when they would appear, you can be sure that the kingdom is come on earth as it is in heaven. Presence, power, prayer, and peacemaking. Let's say that together. Presence, power, prayer, and peacemaking. Today, as we conclude our series, we are going to be looking at peacemaking. And this morning, we want to begin talking about the three barriers that we often encounter in our interpersonal um, relationships. The first barrier is offense. Have you noticed that we live in an age of perpetual offense? Like everybody's just offended about any little and everything. And we Christians are the worst at it. It's like we're supposed to follow the Prince of Peace, but we just get offended about everything. And you know, there's usually two signs that people are offended. Because usually when you have like this spirit of offense in you, you just want to defend yourself. It's like, oh, you become a sword that is so sharp. With your words, you pierce everybody that come, comes against you to offend you. There's others, you know, that are not like swords. They're like shields. They're like, you know, you don't even know that I'm offended because I'm going to give you the silence treatment. And they retreat to their inner chamber of offense without letting you know they're offended, right? So there's, you know, all these mechanisms that we learn early on in life. And I'm going to be honest with you. I, I am the master of self-defense. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I wish I would have learned St. Augustine's prayer a long, long time ago. He used to pray, Lord, deliver me from this lust of always vindicating myself. I didn't learn this one until just recently. And so I had plenty of opportunities to learn. In fact, I learned early on in life when I was a little kid. I enrolled in all sorts of martial art classes. I did karate. I did Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I even signed up to do wushu, okay, the Chinese kung fu um, class in China when I was a student abroad. It was fantastic. Self-defense, I got it down. Okay, so cancer, I'm going to defend <laughs> my husband too on this one, okay? I got it. Self-defense is like my thing. My mom always used to say, you know, you should have been a lawyer. That would have been like the perfect thing for you. So self-defense, yeah, I learned early in life. But you know, the enemy knows just exactly what pushes, what buttons to push. And he knows just how to stir things up. So let me demonstrate how this works. Andrew and I have been married for over 10 years, so we've had plenty of opportunities for the enemy to practice on us. Yes. Okay, and so <laughs> this is usually how it works. Um, we've been happily married, but you know what? We've had our moments. And uh, self-defense, number one, okay? Um, and shield, number one. <laughs> and so the enemy usually, here's, here's how he works, okay? He begins to sow seeds of strife. In relationships and he's usually after the marriages first because he knows that the closer the relationship the greater the opportunity for intimacy and so he's after everything that is valuable to the heart of God and he starts with the marriages so um, you know he, he's so so uh, smart his his strategy or actually his plan is to destroy right but his strategy is to divide in his tactic is offense. Oh, you said what? You did what? Usually starts with little things like burning the dinner or actually, you know, being late for dinner. And those little 
little things become bigger and bigger and bigger. And when you least recognize it and know it, you are a house divided. And a house divided against itself will not stand. The same thing that the enemy wants to do to the marriages, he wants to do to you and your children. The same thing he wants to do to, to, to us as a family, he wants to do to the whole church. And he always begins with the same tactic, offense. Oh, we just got offended because they didn't tell me this. They didn't give me enough attention. They didn't do this or they did that. And, oh, the enemy is very astute. If he, if he can just get you offended for something, then it just, that's how it starts to kind of grow. And when you least know it, boom, division happens. So how do we overcome the spirit of offense? Well, we got to learn that, that that is actually a foothold that we give to the enemy. And so we have to just sit, remember who we are. The word of God tells us, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. So, you know, it isn't the offense. Whenever, you know, the voice of the enemy comes and tells you that, you must just have to ignore it and basically die to it and say, I will not allow that to divide what is most meaningful to me, to my house, to my family to the church, to the community, and we take our stance and remember who we are, children of God. Now, the second barrier in our um, efforts to be peacemakers, as we remember the identity that Christ has given us as his children, works usually with the spirit of offense. It's the attitude of pride. And let me tell you a secret. We all have it. Okay, we're born with it. Okay, it's like it's part of our human nature. To some degree or another, we are all come, you know, come out of the womb with pride, okay? And so we just have to recognize that pride can become a barrier, can become an obstacle, a wall. A few years ago, I had the opportunity to go to South Africa, and I attended the Global Theology Conference. And I'll never forget that experience it was so wonderful. I, I remember riding in a van with a lot of uh, male leaders from all over the world. And I was there and uh, somebody said, hey, we need preachers for Sunday. All the local pastors are looking for, for preachers. And none of the men wanted to go. And so they looked at me and they said, hey, you're a preacher. Yeah, you go. <laughs> and I looked at them and I said, sure, I'll go. So they volunteered me to go preach at who knows where, what church or where. But the next day was Sunday. And so I had to get ready. I didn't know that in South Africa, women had to wear skirts. And I really like pants because it's like so much more comfortable than skirts. But I borrowed a skirt, a long skirt from somebody that, oh, bless her heart, was as skinny as me. And I could, you know, not like get fit in that, in that, that skirt. So it was great. Um, but anyway, we, I, I, I got to the parking lot waiting for this person to come pick up the preacher. And uh, this car pulled up in the parking lot in this tall you know, South African man got out of the car, and he began to ask him, where's the preacher I'm taking to Soweto, to the church in Soweto? Where's the preacher? Where's the preacher? <laughs> Here. <laughs> Hello. I will never forget his face. <laughs> you are the preacher? Man, I have so many thoughts running through my mind at that moment. <laughs> Uh, starting with like, yeah, I know God has a great sense of humor, doesn't he? Like he is so funny calling me into the business. Five one, uh, barely 100 pounds. I know he is funny. 
Take it up to him. <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> I'm a preacher. Uh, I didn't say any of that. You know, I could have gotten offended. Oh, he's saying that because I'm a woman. He's saying that because I look like I'm 15 years old. Well, he's saying that because I have an accent. Oh, well, and, oh, no, 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 not just the offense thing could have come up. Pride could have surfaced. He doesn't know. I'm an ordained elder in the Church of the Nazarene. Excuse me, I am in a PhD program. I, I have all these degrees. I could have showed him all my credentials. I just looked at him. <laughs> I smiled, bless his heart. I didn't know this guy. But, <laughs> but I came up to him and I said, yes, I am the preacher. And I am so glad that you're having me. And I'm so thankful for the opportunity to bring the word of God to you this morning. He didn't have an option now. <laughs> so he, I, got out in the, I got in the car with him, and he began to drive me. And all of a sudden, he's like, oh, I missed the turn. And I'm like, oh, great. He's going to get me lost, and he's going to change his mind. And he's going to say, hey, sorry, too late. We, uh, we got for the, you know, for the, uh, the service at the end, and there's no need for a preacher now. <laughs> but no, we got to the church. And I, I preached my heart out. Man, I preached a message on forgiveness. I was in the hometown of Nelson Mandela. Okay, oh, what a phenomenal experience to preach on forgiveness, to preach on the love of God that cleanses your heart from all the offenses, that cleanses your heart and purifies you. And man, I preach my heart out. Now, at the end of the service, I made, I made an altar call. Well, there were no altars in the church, but I made an altar call anyway. <laughs> and all these people came forward. And I'm looking at the pastor and I'm saying, Pastor, come help me pray for all your people. And, uh, and we prayed. And I, at the end of the service, I wondered. If God would have shown up, if I had been blocking him with my pride, if I had been blocking him by being offended at what he thought of me. You see, that's exactly how the enemy works. Peacemaking begins by recognizing that we are called first and foremost to remember who we are. It doesn't matter what the world thinks. It doesn't matter what the world says. All it matters is who he says you are. A peacemaker, the children of God, ready to change the world for Christ because you know your boldness and your assurance, your conviction comes only from him. The third barrier to peacemaking is, believe it or not, peacekeeping. Peacekeeping. Well, what is the difference between peacemaking and peacekeeping? They look similar, but they couldn't be more different. Paul tells us in Romans 12, if, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Live at peace with everyone. But for too many of us, we substitute live at peace with the words avoid conflict at all cost. <laughs> we substitute live at peace for don't make any waves. The narrative of our culture today is be tolerant. Anything goes. Do what feels good to each his own. But what does Paul mean when he says live at peace? I think we can hear the words himself and Jesus himself. Doses Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, not the peace keepers. Peacemakers are those who truly bring about peace. Peacekeepers are those who avoid conflict at all costs. Peacemakers embrace conflict to make peace. 
peacekeepers let things go on for years and years and years and with no resolution. This desire to keep the peace uh, in our families is often found in our families. How many of you, and be honest this morning, how many of you had uh, uh, been to a family reunion or the get-together and you knew that you had a bone to pick with someone in your family and you rather ripped their hair out, <laughs> but you put on a fake a smile and passed the rolls because that's what good, nice families do. How, how many of you... <laughs> My, my family has uh, lots of problems, <laughs> but <laughs> telling each other the truth is not one of them. <laughs> In fact, uh, the other day, uh, my son Lucas was staring at some pictures, and he came across one that, after he examined it for a while, he said, uh, I was so chunky. I was so fat in that picture. Mom, when was that picture taken? And Simone, without missing a beat, says, that was yesterday. <laughs> no, we don't have uh, any problems telling the truth. <laughs> but peacekeepers avoid the truth, avoid conflict at all cost until it flows up in your face. Peacemakers confront the issue head on, work through the problems, Seek true revolution. This is the type of peace Paul is talking about here. As far as it depends on you, live at peace. Make peace. Be a peacemaker with everyone. Amen. And so we see that there are some barriers that we need to overcome in our interpersonal relationships and encounters. And so um, I want to now shift the attention to, the, to assessing and even talking about the opportunity that conflict provides for us as disciples of Christ. Because you see, conflict is not necessarily bad, and it's not necessarily destructive. And even when it is, God can use it for his purposes to advance and grow us. And so really quickly, the first thing that... that um, conflict can do for us as an opportunity is that it can be used to glorify God. When Paul he urged the Corinthians to live for the glory of God, he wasn't just telling them you got to live for the glory of God one hour on Sunday morning. It was day in and day out, which would be evidenced by the way they would treat one another and the way that they handled and resolved personal conflict. And we all have the same opportunity. We can either be barrier makers or we can be barrier breakers. If we partner with God, we can become barrier breakers. Because you see, um, there's, a, there's a scripture, one of my favorite scriptures that says, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. All it takes is one attitude. It, it dismantles the enemy schemes every single time. When somebody tries to say something to you that may be rude or that wants to, you know, push you down, and all of a sudden you answer with a kind word or you answered uh, as if it didn't bother you. It, it just dismantles it because there's no, it didn't land anywhere. Okay, and so that's exactly what the scripture is telling us. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. The second point is, if you're taking notes, uh, get the log out of your own eye. 
get the log out of your own eye. In other words, remember your own brokenness. Remember your own brokenness. What are the great ironies of life? That is that when we criticize someone for being too critical, we are just doing the exact same thing. In fact, Jesus said it like this, Matthew chapter 7, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. But why do you look at a speck of sawdust in your brother's eye, but take no attention to a plank in your own eye? And the truth is, for the longest time, this is where I lived. I believe that when I criticized someone, it put me above them. So how much better I was than them, where I was right and there were wrong. But the reality is, criticism it proves just the opposite. When I am critical, heat reveals the pride of my heart. The more critical I am, the more it reveals the sin in my heart. When I have to build myself up by tearing others down, I only, have, I only prove my own weakness and hypocrisy. It reminds me of the story of Joe and Bill. Old Joe was dying, and for years he had been at odds with uh, Bill. Uh, formerly one of the, his close friends, uh, wanted to straighten things out. He sent words to Bill uh, uh, come and see him. When Bill arrived, Joe told him that he was afraid to go into eternity with such bad feelings between him. Then, very reluctantly and with great effort, Joe apologized for things that he had said and done. He also assured Bill that he forgave him for his offenses. Everything seems fine but until Bill turns to go. As he walked out of the room, Joe called after him. But remember, if I get better, this doesn't count. <laughs> this doesn't count. <laughs> Here's the truth. If you're a critical person, you can find things to criticize all day long. What's wrong with the world? And what's wrong with your family? And what's wrong with your church? And what's wrong with your spouse? But here's the secret. Tearing others people down does not change the world. Tearing other people down does not change the world. You know what does? Instead of tearing others down, we build them up. Instead of destroying their self-confidence, we inspire them to be who God has called them to be. That's how you live at peace. Uh, 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 we uh, live at peace with everyone. That's how you make become a peacemaker. And finally, conflict can be used to grow us as disciples of Christ. Proverbs 19:11 says, "A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory." To overlook an offense. To overlook means to refuse to retaliate. It means to let go. In a word, it means to forgive. And to overlook wrong done to us is often a sign of maturity and growth as disciples of Christ. You know, the Prince of Peace calls us to wear the shoes of peace. 
It's one of those elements that we have been given, okay, to fight the enemy's schemes. It's the shoes of peace, the peace of the gospel. And uh, hear me, I, want, I, I know that overlooking an offense does not negate justice, okay? Don't, don't hear me say that because it, it's not turning a blind eye to evil, okay? It's not saying, oh, that didn't happen. No, I understand we live in a world where evil is rampant everywhere. We have been wounded. We have been hurt. The list of offenses and hurts in our hearts have piled up, and it's not easy to overlook an offense. I understand that, especially when the hurt has been deep. And I'm not saying that, it, well, we should just, you know, let it go. No, all I'm saying is that we should be receiving the healing of Christ to those deep areas in our woundedness so that then we can become the peacemakers. Because it's impossible, humanly speaking. It is absolutely impossible. It's not in your human makeup to forgive somebody that has hurt you so deeply. To forgive an offender that has abused you in many ways. It's not possible. But with the love of God that fills you up, that, that heals those deep areas of woundedness in your life, it is possible. Because it is what he came to do. He came to give his life so that we could have free access to all that he has. To pull heaven down and say, I can live empowered by the glory of God despite my past full of mistakes and full of woundedness. And so that is what he came to do. In fact, when he was being crucified by all the people, he cried out to God, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. And that's all of us. If we only knew what we're doing with our words, we would be more careful with what we say. If we only knew what, what kind of evil we're perpetuating by holding grudges, man, we would stop holding them and allow the, the, the freedom to come and pierce so deeply that we now can flow in his, in his power. And so I, that's all I'm saying. To overlook an offense is not to let go and pretend that nothing happened. It's to deal with your past so that it doesn't continue to follow you. To, so that you can in the present begin to accept the future into the purpose that God has created for you to live into. And that is all that it means. When we forgive, we begin to set prisoners free. And you know what? To forgive is to set a prisoner free and to recognize that that prisoner was you. And so as we allow the forgiveness to come, and we allow it to deeply take root in our hearts, then that's the only way we can become peacemakers in a world full of hatred and social chaos and absolutely, absolutely oh, just barriers all over the place. God calls us to be agents of reconciliation. He calls us to be ambassadors of a Christ who is the Prince of Peace. How in the world are we going to do that? If we don't first receive the empowerment from on high, we need his power. We need his cleansing. We need his purifying love to come and take us deeper still. And as we allow and cooperate with his spirit, then we can become peacemakers, children of God. That's the only route out of this humanness <laughs> and out of our human condition. And I believe that God can do it today. And I believe that God is in the business of restoring and healing and recreating that which the enemy sought to steal, kill, and destroy. Because we have a prince of peace whose biggest weapon is indeed peace. What he offers us is exactly that, to partner with him in the ministry of reconciliation by allowing us first to be reconciled back to him. Now I am going to invite Don to begin playing. And as he comes up, I, I just want you to close your eyes. And I want you to allow the Lord to minister to you tonight, uh, tonight this morning. And as, as the Holy Spirit comes and begins to prick your heart and begins to show you areas 
in your own heart that just need to uh, allow his love to penetrate deeply, to allow his forgiveness to come to you so much deeper than you've ever experienced so that you are empowered to forgive those who have hurt you. I recognize that there are some of you here and some of us who have been captive to the spirit of offense. We have been captive to the spirit of pride. And others have been captive to this peacekeeping as if, you know, it's just good to tolerate everyone. And if that is you right now, in, in, just in an attitude of surrender, in an attitude of repentance, I want you just to, to raise your hand and say, Lord, I've been captive of the spirit of offense, of this criticism, of this peacekeeping or any barriers, Lord, in my heart. And I need freedom, Lord. I need you to take me deeper, God. I don't want to deal with this anymore. It's destroying my marriage. It's destroying my family. It's destroying my relationship with my kids. It's destroying me, Lord. And I need your help. So, God, you see the hands, Lord. You see us here, Father God, this morning. And, Lord, we recognize that perhaps, Lord, this is just a beginning, a, a turning point, Lord. We know that, Lord, we are in a trajectory. We are in a, in a journey with you, God. But, Lord, we want you to come and cleanse us and purify us and, and take this spirit of offense out of us, Lord. That when people try to offend us or say rude things to us, Lord, we will just smile back and say, the Lord loves you. God bless you. Oh, Holy Spirit, give us this empowerment today, Lord. Now, there are some others of you that just need to allow the Lord to bring you into a relationship with Him. And the Lord's Spirit is here, and He's heavy, and He's saying, I want you to enter into a relationship with me. I want you to experience the extent of my love through my forgiveness. So if that is you, and you said, yes, I need Him, Please raise your hand and the Lord will come and meet you right there where you are. His empowerment will come upon you. Fill you up with his goodness. Fill you up with, your, with his peace. Fill you up with all that you need. Oh, Holy Spirit, you see the hands, Lord. And so we pray, Father God, right now, God, that you will minister to these individuals, Lord, who desire a relationship with you. Recognizing that you have been searching for them for a long time, Lord. You've been after them, Lord, because you have, you're all after all of us, God. You don't want anyone to perish, Lord, but all of us to have eternal life, Father. An eternal life that begins here, that begins today, that changes us, that changes our world, Lord. So come, Holy Spirit, and bring us, Lord. Bring us into that relationship with you, Lord. Reconciling us back to yourself. Oh, Father. There's others of you, Lord, who, others of us right here. Who don't even know we've been held captive <laughs> and we still think the sermon would have been so good for so and so and we still think hey the other person is the problem the person sitting next to me is the problem Lord talk to them if that is you and you still think this did not apply to you well get me let me tell you something raise your hand <laughs> raise your hand I'm gonna raise mine just in case there's still a blank in my own eye that needs removing so come Holy Spirit and, and, and blind us Lord and blind us, convict us. Show us, God, that we never reach, Lord, the, the zenith, Father God, of, of, of sanctification. We're always in that journey, Father God, going deeper and lower, deeper and lower, God. Oh, Lord, you have to kill our pride over and over, God. You, kill, you have to kill, Father God, this, this anger in our hearts over and over, Lord. But we submit it today, Lord. We submit it and we let it go. And we say, Lord, have your way in us. Speak to us. Lift up the blinders, Lord. 
and allow us to see those blind spots, Father, that need removing, God, so that we can walk in the freedom that you have purchased for us. It is in Jesus' name that we